welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. And I'm so happy to come back because you promised us uh, last week uh, a follow-up to explain this concept you have of mark-to-market. So oh, right. w- what is that? How do you go about doing that? And, and, and you know, you said it's sort of broadly uh, uh, um, it has broad effects and, uh, and, and can, is good for lots of things, including the try-hard problem. But it sounds more like that's almost like a side effect of, of something much more uh, central. The try-hard problem is, of course, what we talked about last week. Um, and it kind of comes from a miscalibration. And um, marking to market is a term I stole from uh, fi- uh, finance, from uh, the, the finance world where uh, people have exactly this problem. Um, uh, Listeners might have noticed that there were some banks recently that had some difficulty (laughs) in um, actually um, (laughs) giving their customers their money back. And uh, part of the reason they got into that trouble is that they had uh, assets on their books that had a certain value. And maybe those assets would have that value in the future. But if somebody actually wanted to sell those assets right now today, in other words, take them to the market and sell them, uh, then they would not have the value that their books said they did, and therefore they ha- didn't have as many assets as they thought. Therefore, they couldn't meet all the um, uh, depositors' demands. So the process that cures that, that finance folks have come up with, uh, it's not a perfect process, but it works a lot better, is to mark the assets to market. And there exist assets in finance that are hard to do that with. There, there are in software as well. But the uh, notion is that if you possibly can, you want to say, what would happen if we actually liquidated this entire portfolio of stuff that we have here? Uh, what could we get for it? Uh, and right. uh, uh, if you do that frequently, then you get into a lot less trouble. Um, an example of a company that got into a lot of trouble kind of on purpose uh, with this sort of thing is Enron, um, who uh, listeners might remember uh, had a whole bunch of crazy derivatives and, and wacky assets and so on. And they, they claimed they were marking to market, but th- if they ever took the, um, those um, uh, bits of rubbish to, to an actual market, no one would have uh, paid a penny for them. But their Right, FTX was something set- similar. Oh, yes, of course. Sorry, I forgot. Cryptocurrency is a, a, a wealth of, <laughs> of, of uh, lacking mark to market. It's a sort of house of cards. Nothing is uh, is actually measured. So right. you and might of course, be with the accidental is... version with Silicon Valley Bank that you mentioned, where exactly. they had some very safe, very safe assets, unlike FTX, things that really do have value, but they weren't something they could they could draw upon immediately. Their, their market, current market value was much lower. And that caused all kinds of problems for them. But how do you apply this to software? I'm not. I'm very familiar with it in finance. But but what does software mark to market mean? It, it means that um, ideally every single day, which is also the the standard in finance, you want to mark to market daily if you can. That would give you the most accurate picture of your portfolio and its value. Um, uh, ideally every day, uh, you want to take your software to the market and find out whether people actually want to buy it. So the extreme <laughs> right. version of this, and, and um, few of my clients get this far, but you can get a long way toward it, uh, is to release new software every day. That's itself a challenge, but um, a pretty well understood process these days. And engineers know how to do it, if, even if they're not saying how, or they don't believe you that they, they know how. And, and then not only to produce the software, but to release it, give it to customers and get actual feedback. So uh, if you have high enough volumes, if you're in some sort of retail uh, environment, uh, then you can make the changes, uh, get that software to the customers and observe their behavior. 
people often talk about this as being data driven, um, but uh, they often pay much more lip service to that than actual um, <laughs> actual action, uh, because uh, often the data is not available. Uh, if you're releasing your software, say, every uh, two weeks or every month or, heaven forbid, every quarter or every year, you don't have an opportunity to change very much. So you, you don't get an opportunity to see whether what you've just done has had any effect. And so you're just like the, or you can wind up being just like one of these um, unfortunate uh, 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 banks where you have what you think is a bunch of assets. You think you've completed a bunch of features and changes to your software that are valuable, but you don't know. You haven't actually tried it in the market, and so you, you can't tell uh, whether they're actually useful. So um, if you can get to the stage where you're releasing very frequently, um, in, in, in retail that might be every day, in my biotech clients that might be every two weeks, that's still astonishingly fast for them. Uh, and uh, can you then layer on top of that some form of customer feedback? In retail, in say Facebook, you know, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg can make a change to a, a, a the Facebook login page and see whether more people log in or fewer. And when he knows that, and he can try it on a percentage of his people, then he's he's got a mark to market. He knows whether that feature that somebody in Facebook built gave him more value or less. You may not be able to do that. You might be selling to uh, large businesses who um, are are not taking your new software that frequently, or uh, who don't apply the changes, or who aren't um, uh, as available. But uh, with whatever frequency you can, you can mark to market by getting their feedback, by talking to internal proxies for them, um, uh, maybe customer service or sales, and saying, "Is this something you can sell? Is this something that will address the problem that your customers have?" All of those are ways to mark whether your software actually had the effect it, that you wanted it to. Astonishingly often when I introduce this idea and have people start doing it, a lot of the things they thought were really valuable turn out not to be. But that's great <laughs> news. It's great yeah. to find that out just like it would have been very helpful for Silicon Valley Bank to know that its assets <laughs> did not match the value that they thought that they did. Um, because then you can take action. You can change your assets. You can change your approach. You can uh, change your marketing. There are lots of things you can do. But while you're, um, uh, you're, uh, you believe your portfolio has a certain value and it doesn't, and you don't know that, you, are, you have a, a silent um, killer um, uh, roaming around uh, ready to, to knock you out and you don't know it. Right. Now, it, I've, we've talked about uh, in this podcast now for many years, and this sounds to me like what you've done now is kind of an evolution of something you used to talk about a lot, which is elephant carpaccio. Exactly. That's the first stage is you get that daily delivery. Right, and so you, so so this is so it sounds like you've done here is like, and, and we probably should link to a past elephant carpaccio episode in the in the show notes. The so elephant carpaccio is the technical side, and now you're going further to the business side and saying, great, now you have this regular cadence of delivery. Be testing it in the market all the time. Don't just don't just assume it's valuable because you build it. <laughs> you you want it, you want validation that there's actual value here. Indeed. And lots of listeners may be saying, well, my, my company could never be that rational about it. Uh, there's too much politics. <laughs> there's too many demands. The, the highest paid person in the room gets to decide um, uh, and those sorts of, of things. The interesting thing is that um, you can mark to market without anybody's permission. So uh, if, if you produce some software, you could go ask some customers about it. There's usually no um, uh, dire provision that says you, you can't talk to anyone or release something um, uh, as a, a, a hidden feature that's only available to certain folks or demonstrated or talk to sales. There's usually something that you can do individually 
to get some impression of what the market value is. And that can be very powerful information uh, and uh, can often change behavior if you can show it. I've got all kinds of ideas coming to mind. Yeah, this is I mean, this is a great idea. I mean, I think the, the powerful thing is once you have this concept and now you just start saying like, how could we get, what are the options we have for getting feedback on value? And you've mentioned several, like you could, you could try, you know, contacting users. <laughs> you could uh, use proxies internally. Yeah, you might be something you could release and see if people discover it. Um, I, I'm thinking like you could do an email to subsegment of users. Do they even, if they read the email, do they click the link? <laughs> you, exactly. Um, you know, all, all, all kinds of things you could try to say like what would be proof of value to people. Now, the ultimate proof will be like do they, not just do they buy it, but do they use it? <laughs> do, they, do, do you see that behavior change? Um, that, to me, that would be the strongest signal. But uh, um, so, so that this is great. Uh, the concept here of how quickly can we test the value of what we've built, uh, it seems like a fantastic idea. And I love the analogy of mark to market here because you're right, because otherwise we have this thing that we say, oh, this is an asset because we've, we've put, and I've often people, seen people do this saying, of course we have a, a moat in the market. We spent four years and $40 million making this product. <laughs> that is no moat at all. It's like a, 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 a like having a, a ditch around your castle, but there's no water in it uh, because <laughs> uh, anybody could come marching across and build something for uh, four million dollars and four and uh, four months uh, that might be better than what you have. Uh, until you market to market, you have no idea. Yeah, and that and that's a fantastic insight. That's a fantastic insight. I love that. And now, can we can we take a moment to tie this back to our our try hard problem from? Oh last yeah, of course. Episode? I forgot we started there. Yeah, remind us. So that was last week's episode about uh, folks who are trying hard but actually aren't that competent. That, that's right. And the problem was that there's there can be people who are very visible and very visibly trying, very visibly committed, but they're not actually delivering. How does the mark to market approach uh, solve that? Well, see, I don't even think about it. So um, what I'm thinking about is how do I measure the whole software team's market value? What, what is this software team producing? And if the answer is zero, then that's not going to end well for anybody. Um, if the answer is um, it's got significant value, but only in these areas, then I've got some pointer to where we should concentrate more resources, where we should um, boost skills, where we should improve. And if it's, gee, it's, it's pretty good across the board, then I know the team's performing pretty well, that it's focused on the right things and we're producing value. And I don't find usually that the hard part is... Um, figuring out which people in the team might match that strategy once I know what the actual value is. That, that is difficult. It's not like it's the, um, uh, a walk in the park to determine, oh, yeah, you know, it's actually Squirrel who, who really just doesn't understand good design, and anything he builds, people have trouble using it. And um, Jeffrey really understands good design. He builds beautiful front ends, and people find it uh, easy to use what he builds. If you ask people in the team who are working with you and me, they could probably figure that out pretty quickly. Uh, so that's not the hard part. The hard part is figuring out whether people want to use what it is in the first place. So, um, uh, and whether you're talking about the ones that you build or me, that I build that, that drive more value, that create more um, uh, opportunities in the market that get us more revenue. Once you determine where the, the value is, it's pretty easy to, to um, uh, relatively easy to, to, to backfill that, to, to um, do the, the um, reverse engineering to work out where, where did that come from. I see. So you're kind of really just looking at the system. Is the system producing value or not before you worry about the people components within it? Yes, exactly. And uh, that means that if you've got to try hard, 
uh, somebody who doesn't know that they are not competent. We're rapidly going to discover that because we're going to look at what they're producing. We're looking at their contribution. We say, this person's doing a lot in this area, but it's not actually producing value. Right. I, I got it. That makes that makes perfect sense. I can understand now why why you would see that this is your starting point that you're going to worry about uh, because you you know you're getting at the, the the key thing are are we producing value? That's the that's the number one concern that people should have that should supersede any anything else. And if you have the right tools, and engineers know how to produce these tools, they know how to do it, know how to run an elephant carpaccio type process, then you're able to mark to market frequently. It's the frequency that makes the big difference. Got it. Well, fantastic. I, I appreciate you explaining that by mark to market. I've got a new analogy in my, vo- my vocabulary now. And having worked in finance now for several years, that uh, uh, means much more to me today than it would have uh, 10 years ago. <laughs> fantastic. But even for our listeners who aren't uh, in finance, I hope this has been a, a helpful idea for you. And, and maybe it's helpful in the sense that you disagree with us. That would be great. So if you think that marking to market doesn't work or you couldn't get to uh, that level of value measurement or um, it wouldn't work in your organization, We'd love to hear from you. And of course, if you have questions about it and how to make it work, we'd also like to hear from you about that. And the best way to do that is to go to agileconversations.com. And there you'll find our book and videos and um, hundreds of episodes of this podcast and transcripts and all kinds of fun things, as well as our Twitter handles and email addresses. And uh, heck, I've got my home address there. So you, you can come visit me if you want to. So Feel free to go go there and get in touch with us. We really like it when we hear from our listeners. The other thing to do to keep in touch, of course, is to come back next Wednesday uh, when we'll have another interesting and controversial and fascinating edition of Troubleshooting Agile. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Squirrel.